Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is the Conscious Bodybuilding Podcast. And today I have Stephen Dexter on. Uh, Stephen, would you mind introducing yourself to my audience? Uh, give kind of like a brief rundown of who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Stephen Dexter. Um, I live in Missoula, Montana. Um, I'm a uh, bodybuilder, a natural bodybuilder, and um, I also coach bodybuilding. Um, I just wrapped up my uh, second competitive season where I did, did two shows, one drug tested show and one NPC show. Um, I've been coaching for uh, five years now. Um, and I've been uh, competing also for, for five years as well. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my, my very quick summary, I guess. Um, my, my, a little bit more on my background. Um, I got my undergraduate degree in integrated physiology, which is a very fancy way of just saying exercise science. Uh, like when they handed me my diploma, they gave me a checkbox and they're like, do you want exercise science or integrated physiology? And I picked the one that sounded more sciencey. <laughs> so there's literally no difference in the degrees. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went that route and um, I was thinking about grad school and um, I talked to one of my advisors. He said, he said, give it time and, and really think about it and decide where you'd want to go and that sort of thing. So um, okay. In the meantime, decided to pull the trigger on a on a contest prep, and um, it had been a long time coming, and and yeah, it was uh, it was a really good experience. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have a couple questions for you. Uh, what were the outcome uh, outcomes of those shows, first and foremost? Yeah. So um, the first show I did, um, I actually did, I actually wasn't originally planning on doing. I had a couple of clients in that show. Um, and, uh, they, they, they wanted me to compete with them. Um, it's a, it's a local show here in my hometown and I had two local clients and, uh, they were both doing classic physique and they were just like, how cool would it be if all of us compete at the same time? And so, um, I wasn't quite ready to, to step, you know, like I, yeah, I wasn't yeah. ready to step on stage. And if you go on the pic, if you find the Instagram pictures, you can tell. Um, but I, I ended up still placing second, which was really cool in classic physique, nice. um, which was, you know, uh, it's a smaller NPC show here in Montana, so um, nothing too crazy. But it was a, it was a really maybe I came in third. It could have been third. Don't hold me to that. One of the two. Regardless, um, regardless for an NPC yeah. show, that's really really good, especially for an, a natural competitor, right? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you know, obviously being not not being enhanced, like you know, the muscle mass isn't isn't quite up to snuff with a lot of the other guys. Um, and you know, my conditioning definitely could have been better, but the, the guy who won actually was natural, um, uh, which oh, wow. was, which was super cool to see. Uh, he's a friend of mine, um, from awesome. actually another town in Montana. Um, so that was really cool to see. And, um, but yeah, just, you know, luckily, uh, my strongest point is my posing. And since it's classic, that's, that's so heavily emphasized and at, at the amateur level, it's one of those things where a, a lot of people are not really great on their posing especially like you know a local npc show um so yeah. so that that carried me a lot a lot like a lot so yeah um, that one went well and then um the next one i did was uh, the natural columbia classic and that was in auburn washington just outside of seattle um and that one i i, I took the overall in uh, but there ended up not being as many competitors as i was hoping for um so that one was you know, it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, it seems like across the natural competitive world this year, there was like a very low turnout for competitors for whatever reason. Interesting. Um, yeah, not, 
I have I have a theory as to why, but um, neither here nor there. But yeah, I ended up taking the overall there, um, which was which was really cool. And I was thinking about doing another show, but um, I had started my diet. Um, you know, at this point, it was uh, early June, and I had started my diet in uh, late in mid October, and so yeah. I was I was done. Um, I you know, if there was a show like the week after that wasn't super far to travel, I would have done it, but. Um, being in Montana, any show that I pick, um, I I'm gonna have to travel for. Even like the closest uh, the closest shows are are still six to eight hour drives for me, and yeah. you know flights flights in and out of Missoula are crazy expensive. So for me, it was a logistics thing. Yeah, yeah, but, fair enough, fair enough. No, I mean, I think that's a long time. Was this your first time um, doing a, a prep or getting to that level of conditioning? Yes, I would. I would say yes. Um, I the my my first contest season um, I did with a coach, um, and he had a very old school style. Um, mm-hmm. Bad experience. That's actually what made me decide to want to get into coaching. Um, yeah, but uh, it's funny. That's the same reason I got into coaching. <laughs> yeah, I've I've talked to a lot of people who end up on the evidence based side, and it seems like so many people come from having being burned by an old school mentality that drove right into the dirt or something like that. Well, I think it's also selection bias, right? Because the people who end up working with those coaches and staying with those coaches and never trying to try a different style is because they can, they can handle that, that level of um, that mentality that comes along with it and the grind yourself and do a pulp kind of deal there. There's a certain type of person that that coaching style just works for, right? And I think yeah. where you get the selection bias is the people who maybe aren't as genetically gifted or they just start to question things or, or from you know, myself, it was just, it just didn't work with me, my psychology. Right. Um, so there's a number of reasons, but I think that's a big part is like the reason those people even still coach people is because there are people out there who, who do respond to that to some degree. I mean, mm-hmm. or at least are receptive to it, I guess. Yeah. To, for, for me, the, the biggest issue I've always had with like that whole mentality is it seems like they make it harder than it needs to be. And yeah, yeah, my, I agree. And, and I think, I think you probably reflect this mantra, but it's like, I think contest prep is going to be hard. There's no way around it. It's, it's already going to be hard, but making it harder than it needs to be is just really stupid. And um, there's, there's just, there's just no sense. You've only got so many hours in the day. And it's like, if you, if you don't need to do two hour long cardio sessions on top of two hours of training, then that's two hours you could be spending with your family or doing something else. Right. You know, right. Well, and it, and it's, it's comes with bodybuilding culture. Unfortunately, that's still something that persists. Um, and it's going to be a while before that paradigm shifts, but I think, um, and this is where I saw the reason to get into coaching was, was that I could be someone who contributes to that, that shift. Right. And, and you are as well, right. Anybody who mm-hmm. is that t- type of practitioner, who's a little more evidence-based is saying like, Hey, like there's a time and a place to work hard, but like, let's work smart as well. And this isn't a suffering contest. This is a, this is a lot of things. Um, and, and to suffer, um, needlessly is, is kind of an act in, in futility and whatnot, but yeah, so that's kind yeah. of, I, I agree with that hundred percent. Um, and that's interesting. So, so, uh, and I'm in the same boat where I had a season, uh, this is the leanest I ever got. And I think towards the end I needed to reflect and, and as I was getting, um, um, towards the end there, I, I, I kind of, I think you over time kind of gain that experience and are able to maybe have those longer seasons. Some people just psychologically can handle it, but 
for myself, I needed some time to kind of reassess. Like if I threw in like a maintenance phase in the middle or had taken uh, some time, um, like right now, training is amazing. I think that it, you get in this place after dieting for a while where you're kind of like, right, I need, I need some time away from this because the enjoyment factor kind of gets sucked out of it at least. And that's what it was for me at least. But, um, so, uh, that being said, I mean, the topic of this podcast is, is, is self-coaching. So mm -hmm. Steven, uh, prepped himself for these last two shows. I also prepped myself for my last two shows, um, which were my first shows in seven years. Um, so I kind of wanted to discuss first and foremost, what brought you to decide to coach yourself? Like what were some things that went through your head when you were like, Hey, I need to do these shows. Um, and like, like, uh, things you considered like level of education, um, considering the, the, um, trade-offs of, of hiring a coach versus doing it yourself kind of what was your thought process and then how did you ultimately decide that you were ready to coach yourself for these shows yeah um awesome question um the biggest thing that made me uh, want to do it myself um I'll, I'll, it's twofold so the the first part of it was that uh it was a trust issue um because i had my trust kind of broken with my coach like my first time around and so I, I didn't really trust anybody enough to want to put like my, in, my entire possible outcome that I could achieve into someone else's hand. Like it was something I was very protective of. Um, full disclosure, I have since gotten a coach because I, that, over the last, over prep, I got over that, uh, that, that like wall for me. And, um, but the, the other part of it was that, you know, um, I wanted to make the mistakes myself. So that way I would be able to better help people that I work with. Um, you know, like it's, it's one thing being able to tell someone like, Hey, this is how much, you know, how many steps or how much cardio or, you know, what the training is going to look like, what the refeed's going to look like. It's, it's one thing setting, setting those things out for a client, but it's another thing like setting them out for you and you actually have to go yourself go through and check off all the boxes, and, um, you know, not having someone to tell you what to do. So in a large aspect of it for me was I wanted to, I wanted to make mistakes and I did, I made plenty of mistakes, but um, I wanted, I wanted that full responsibility and having um, like the out, my complete outcome um, be utterly up to me and, and have no one else have a hand in it. And that was, that was specifically so that I could make mistakes and, and become better. And honestly, self-coaching for this season, um, it ended up being fairly successful and it was a huge, huge learning opportunity. And I took a yeah. lot away from it. Um, so that was really the reason why I decided to, to do the, the whole self-coaching this season anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think that was a lot of what went through my head it was like when you're programming for a, a client. And, um, you know, it's one thing to, to put some stuff down on paper, but to actually be doing the same things that they do and also be t trialing your thought process, right? Because now you're like, okay, well, I assigned this client 12,000 steps. Is that something that's feasible? Like, what are some of the challenges that are presented in my daily life when I program 12,000 steps? Uh, you know, when I program my calories this low, you know, how, how, how might someone else feel and, and kind of getting a, a feel for that, right? So, so now I have a lot different way uh, the way I look at my coaching 
as I'm like adjusting someone's program, I have this different perspective. Um, uh, for example, like uh, my, my, my uh, thought process behind refeeds might have sh shifted a little bit, right? Where I think that, that I need to really pay attention to individual psychology um, because I think that's something that would have benefited me towards the end of my prep and something I should probably experiment with my clients and myself in the future. So that was one of many things where I was like, okay, this is something that I've collected this data. I saw that this might have some utility and uh, it's something that I will, will, will trial in the future. Um, so yeah, I agree. A huge learning experience. Um, how, how would you speak to the like self-efficacy, self-confidence uh, side of things? How, mm -hmm. how did prepping yourself affect your, your self-efficacy and your self-confidence uh, and maybe your confidence as a coach as well? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome question. Um, it definitely uh, gave me a whole new perspective on how I um, approach coaching in, in general. Um, and the, the big thing for me was because I had to make all these decisions myself and there was complete responsibility for each of the decisions you make, regardless of how it impacts your daily life. And so what I meant by that was, is one of the, the biggest, my, my, my biggest struggles throughout all of prep was like balancing um, some semblance of like social life. All right. How's it going guys? Um, so we had to, we had some technical difficulties, so we're going to have to clip this part of the podcast together. But when we last left off in the podcast, um, I had asked Steven about um, how his contest prep experience, how prepping himself had influenced his self-confidence and his self-efficacy. And uh, if you could just provide like, you know, some some groundwork and what what actually uh, what impact it had on you, Stephen? Yeah. So um, the biggest thing that uh, came out of prepping myself that was uh, really cool and unexpected was just the ability to know that I could do it um, if I ever wanted to again. Um, you know, hindsight looking back, I think having a coach in my corner could have allowed me to you know fix a couple of these little details that. Um, you know, maybe you could have ended up in a, in a better product, you know, just having an extra set of eyes on you is, you know, it's always a good idea. And I think even when you do, um, even when you do self-coach and take yourself through your own contest prep, you know, you still get some input from friends, you know, like I, I have a few friends who are, you know, have been coaching for between like five and 20 years. And I would ask them like, Hey, I'm this many weeks out. You think I'm on pace, stuff like that, where I wasn't having anyone like actually take over any part of my prep. Um, but I was getting that, that, that opinion. And so when you get that opinion um, and you have been doing it and they're like, yep, you're right where you need to be for six weeks out, for four weeks out, for two weeks out, you're, you know, that does in, in influence your self-confidence a lot, you right. know, especially knowing that you, you put yourself in a position to get to that, um, that perfect state where, where you are going to be ready on time, where you are going to be ready early, potentially. Um, so that definitely can be a huge um, builder of, of self-confidence for sure. Um, and uh, one of the, one of the biggest questions that, that I had, you know, obviously we, we took a little hiatus um, from the last. Um, and so one, one thing that I I thought about over this last few days that we have been chatting was um, how do you know, when you can prep yourself. So what kinds yeah. of experiences have you had to have? What kinds of tools do you have to have at your disposal in order for you to actually um, 
make the decision to do it yourself without hiring a coach. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about while you were talking about self-efficacy and confidence was that there were, there were some instances where um, with other coaches um, first and foremost um, I had questioned their decision-making and I think that's never a good place to be in. If you're, if you're being coached by somebody like, like to question whether or not what they did was, it was a, a correct way of doing things. And if they can't provide a specific, like, this is why, and, and a reasoning and rationale, then generally speaking, it's probably not a great coach for you or, or a great coach in general. Um, but I think there were a few instances where um, they had also sent over things and it was the exact same thought process that I had uh, at some point in my education. Um, I had started to, you know, learn how to do some of these things. And a lot of the time I would feel like they would send something over and it would be really similar to what I would have programmed. And I think at that point, that's where I started to kind of like have this, maybe I can do this. And then I think with, with myself, I also started to um, have some things that I wanted to try. And I thought that not one single coach would, every coach has a different way of how they approach things. And not one single coach would integrate all of the things that I wanted into the plan. And that, that being said, most great coaches do have some, um, it is somewhat a collaborative effort. They will listen to what you have to say in your uh, feedback. But there were some things um, that I just simply wanted to trial on my own and learn for myself. That being said, the actual criteria I think to have to self-coach first and foremost is um, you have to have a certain level of self-confidence and self-belief. Um, obviously, doing this process, as you mentioned, did build that confidence for you, but you still have to have a good idea that you know what you're doing and also believe in your ability to do so and execute on it. And that self-confidence for me came from educating myself um, via resources on, online mostly because bodybuilding contest prep isn't particularly something that you can learn in school. Like if you understand physiology and stuff, maybe you understand some of the underlying mechanisms, um, but more so going to resources that provided specific specialized knowledge like Renaissance periodization, um, like some of the coaches that I've worked with, a lot of these um, online, like uh, for, for example, John, John Jewett's J3 University was a huge one for me as well. because it was like how he actually preps competitors and that was light out. So that in itself gave me the self-confidence and then that combined with the fact that I'm like, hey, there's all these cool things I wanted to try that allowed me to say, hey, this may be a, a good decision to go in this direction. Um, so I think that you definitely need to understand like the basic fundamentals, you need to understand energy balance, and you need to uh, probably have some experience dieting, but not dieting to like really low body fat. So like just manipulating your body composition, understanding macros. I mean, I would say that you probably need a certain level of years of experience. I mean, I've been doing this for 13 years. I would say that you probably wouldn't even be ready at least three years into it if you had been educating yourself the whole time. And there's probably even more um, to be said there. I'm curious what, what your opinion is on that as well. Yeah, and kind of to riff off that last thing you just said, um, you mentioned that even, even if you had been educating yourself the whole time, you wouldn't even um, be able to do it for at least like three years. I totally agree with that. Um, and you know, to go off of that, I think one of the, the other big things that people tend to mistake is in contest prep as a whole is they try to prep too early into their career of, of bodybuilding, right? Yeah. You know, like you said, you've been doing this for 13 years. I just passed my 12 year mark. 
so you got a year on me. But um, you know, I I did my first one four years in, and I still wasn't ready. You know, yeah. four years same, of like same. like pretty pretty solid training nutrition, and I still wasn't like at a place where you know when you look back on your very first set of stage photos and you're embarrassed to share them. Like that's how you know. Like maybe you should have stayed more, spent more time in the batch cooker, right? Um, but just uh, one of the other things that you mentioned was, you know, maybe not having gotten super lean being a priority to to do a contest prep. Um, I I would say that you know, getting getting to stage level conditioning versus getting to like ten to twelve percent is a huge difference in in um in terms of diet and in terms of uh you know adherence to to that plan and i would i would i would personally argue that i i think if you were to do it yourself you should have gone through a diet that got you you know fairly lean within you know what you would consider five percent body fat of stage weight so like those low single digits i mean higher single digits like eight to ten percent and um you know, the other part of that is um, giving yourself enough time to have the tissue underneath the skin that actually pushes against skin and makes you look leaner too. Because, you know, we've all seen those people who just aren't muscular enough before they start a prep anyway. And so they don't have that. Um, they have to get, you know, where someone might look absolutely shredded at like six or 8%. And then they could get a little bit leaner. Like these people have to step on stage at a true like four, four or 5%. And they still don't look as lean just because they don't have that tissue to push to, to really like push up against the skin. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And they can yeah. look, they can look uh, flat as a result or just not as lean as they actually are as a result as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, there are a lot of people sometimes when they're younger are more eager to compete, maybe, maybe a little bit less so now because of social media, but um, it's really important to identify the reason why you want to compete. So like, why, why would you want to step on stage? Like, I mean, obviously there's no real, like you could potentially get in, in this mindset that there's some sort of glory associated with it, but I mean, there's no real uh, like, payoff except for you know at the end of the day if like I, I hate when people say this but like a plastic trophy like is if you win a show right especially at a, a very low level amateur competition right there there's no there's no need to rush that and, and that really comes down to understanding like what it is you want out of bodybuilding and understanding you know uh, having a process focus versus an outcome focus so actually falling in love with the process of building muscle of dieting all that stuff before you even consider stepping on stage i think is really really big and it's something i try to encourage with a lot of people um i i maybe even for myself took risks that i would probably not make or have taken at this age because at the time uh, around my first show i was more outcome focused and i was thinking like you know, I want to be professional one day. And I made risks as a result of that, that I wouldn't, and it, it causes some, some, some issues with judgment as well. So I think really understanding your why, why you want to do this is, is a really, really big part of it as well. Yeah, I can, I completely agree with that. I think one of the, the biggest things that you need, especially when you, you know, what one of the, one of the um, benefits of having a coach in your corner is they can act a little bit 
like the guy riding the dog sled, right? Keeping you moving forward, keeping you trending in the right direction. Um, and you don't have that when you do your do it yourself. So you really do have to have a love and appreciation for the process, for the actual difficulty. Um, I think there has to be a little bit of masochism involved because if you don't love that that challenge, that you know, you know, the, even like the the shitty parts of prep, like when it's hard to sleep, when you're right. when you're hungry and you're tired and you're cranky, it's like you have to still find an appreciation or at least um, have a, a reasoning as to why you're doing it that is more powerful than the current experience that you're having, right? You know, it's like yeah. having that, that focus on whatever, whatever your end outcome is has to be stronger than, you know, my need to smash this cupcake right now. And, you right. know, for, mo for most people, I think they can develop a why that is stronger. Um, but it's one of those things that, especially when you don't have a coach and you know that like, you know, if I'm, if I'm checking in with my, with my coach on Sunday, right. And I have to go and tell him like, uh, I fell off the bandwagon and ended up at the Wendy's drive through at 2am, you know, that's a conversation you have to have with your coach that, right. you know, maybe that will keep you from going and doing that versus when it's just you, there's, there's really nothing that, that is keeping you from doing that. Um, yes. I, through on my, in my first contest prep, um, after the show was over, uh, my coach basically dropped me right away. I didn't hear from him anymore right after, right after the show. And so I was completely on my own to figure out the whole like recovery, reverse diet, whatever you want to do post-show. Mine was just an all out binge fest. And um, because I didn't have any sort of structure, any sort of plan, any guidance, um, and I didn't know what to do, um, you know, I ended up gaining something like 48 pounds in two weeks. Um, oh, wow. and I just had this like massive water everywhere and I'd push on my stomach and I felt like, like a Tempur-Pedic mattress because you'd push <laughs> in and it would just like stay indented for like three yeah. seconds and slowly come back. And it's like, you know, when you're doing it yourself, you have to understand that, you know, all of the possible outcomes, anything that could possibly happen, because there is no one with, you know, that experience who's dealt with, you know. If you're a coach yourself, maybe you have, but you're not outsourcing that to someone who's dealt with hundreds of different contest preps, who knows exactly what all the possible outcomes are. So you got to make sure that you know all the possible outcomes of everything that you're doing. Right. And that, and that com comes along with it is, is being willing to accept your shortcomings because you're not going to know everything. So being it willing to, this is something that was hard for me to accept, even though I had agreed to myself that it was something I would accept. Right. For, for example, I wanted to be much leaner at my national level show and based on my calculations, I would have been, but my calculations were wrong and I need to accept that. I need to accept that that was because of my lack of experience of doing contest preps. And because I was doing this myself, that, that was something I needed to accept. And it went, even though I had agreed that it was something I would accept it was really hard to swallow when I when it came down to it, like when I realized, oh, shit, I definitely need to be leaner. It was really still a difficult thing to accept. Um, so, so you but you have to be willing to accept that like you you may not and it's likely especially your first run that you're not going to get the outcome you want. Right. But I did this because for a lot of reasons, not just to compete and because of my love of competing, right, I did this, because I wanted to collect the data, I did this because I wanted to gather the experience to apply to my other clients. 
Um, I did this because of the self-confidence and efficacy that it built for, for myself, like, or, or my perceived, um, of what it would do. Right. So there, there was a lot of reasons why I did it. And that, that was the trade-off that I accepted as a result of, but you have to be willing to sit down with yourself and say, Hey, you know, if, if you wanted a, if I say, I wanted to really just, just my main priority was get a pro card, which it never has been, then I could have just hired the best coach. And I would have at least, I think had a better shot for sure. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's a really big part of it for sure too. Do you think that, um, if you do have those, those higher tier goals and, and the potential for them, and not only just the goals themselves, you know, um, but you have, you know, the experience, the genetics to, to potentially like GoPro, do you think you could be doing yourself a disservice by not hiring a coach? It, it really depends on what you want, right? Like, what do you want? My, my, for myself, bodybuilding isn't just winning a pro card. I'd actually rather it take longer and me enjoy the process and do it myself than um, hire someone who tells me to do everything because the actual enjoyment factor of the bodybuilding uh, and I also learned this this prep was doing it myself was being able mm. to say hey I'm capable to do this thing and I don't and 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 I mean looking back just on my personal side I don't think I missed it by by much I could I can look at the data and say this is where I could have been and now I can adjust based off that and that in itself is exciting because now the next time I do it, I know what needs to be done. I have DEXA, I have the body fat percentage I need to be, I have the mark, like I have some other things that I want to trial. And now I'm excited to apply those things. So for me, it's always just like about learning and then applying it myself um, and then learning for myself. And, and what, to, what, to speak on what you said about having people in your corner, like I do run a lot of this stuff by people. I mean, Jared definitely kept an eye on me towards the end there and helped me with my peak. And, um, uh, I mean, I'm in the team full ROM forum asking questions. I'm in physique collective asking questions. I'm in J3 university asking questions. I have other people that I consult on Instagram that I know as well. Um, so it, it's, it is still collaborative and I still have these other people, but I think still being able to, you know, um, take and interpret all of that and then apply it myself is a big part of what I love about this, I guess, at least it, it has evolved over the years to, to a big part of what I love. So yeah. to, to, to not go off like on that long tangent, it really depends. Like, do you think, like, I don't, I don't think that my ultimate goal is to be Mr. Olympia. My ultimate goal is to bring a more evidence-based approach to enhance bodybuilding. And I think by showing that it is possible that I am doing that. Yeah. And I mean, like, we've already seen, you know, um, that, even at even at very high levels you can be successful self-coaching i mean look at john jewett you right, know exactly. he's yeah what he paced placed in the olympia last year like top six right um yeah. so maybe just outside of the top six um and you know he was probably the leanest guy in the 212 and you know he did it completely himself he didn't have you know he might have had like some of his friends like keeping an eye on him but you know right, right. he he was very um you know data-driven analytical um, that allowed him to, you know, completely shape his prep by himself and, and do it at the highest level. You know, he's yeah, and prep his wife at the same time too. It, exactly. Who's also and a high so, level competitor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's absurd. Um, sp- speaking of that, do you think that it helps to be um, a little bit more analytical when you are coaching yourself? Um, and w- where I was kind of thinking about this was, you know, um, I used, you know, 
like the, the app I used was macro factor. Um, it's okay. stronger by science tracking app. In that app, they actually have an expenditure calculator that basically as you track all your food, it, uh, it syncs up with the health app on your phone and tracks your steps and it gives you an estimated expenditure uh, oh, nice. that I actually found that I found that was actually super helpful. And so for me, I was allowed, I could use that data to be like, you know, even if my body weight didn't trend down the way it was supposed to, it's like, well, I had been using this um, system week in, week out for like, you know, six months before um, I even started prep. So I yeah. knew it was incredibly accurate. And so when my weight did lag behind, you know, it gave me at least a little bit of a peace of mind that, you know, no, you know, my expenditure is still really high. All the variables have remained the same. Like odds are I'm just holding, you know, water or because I'm stressed out, or I didn't sleep well. And so, you know, just because my average weight didn't dip right. down, it doesn't mean I need to, you know, pull another, you know, 50 grams of carbs or whatever. So did you, yeah. did you find that through your prep? And I, I know you're a very data-driven guy yourself. Did you find that being more analytical was, was helpful for you to be able to make changes? Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to be because, um, especially as you get leaner, you, your emotions are not a reliable, um, point of data to some, to some degree, they become less reliable as you, um, as you become leaner and leaner, right? Your, your judgment is clouded by the fact that the physiological processes that are occurring are, driving you to be food focused, right? And there's other things, adaptations that are occurring that, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, it, it, you're, you're, you're not, it's not likely to, that you can think rationally because your brain and your body want one thing and you have to use your higher thinking power to, to say no, right? And, and that in itself requires a lot of willpower. Um, and and, and, and it, th there can be lapses in that, that level of judgment especially if you have psychological stress, you have all these other things coming in, um, which often happens, especially deeper into prep. Um, so I really think that like I, I had had conversations with a few people, Jared Feather was in particular was someone who I looked to because when he had coached me into he coaches himself currently. And I think he had made some posts and we had had some conversations about the fact that you basically collect all of the data that you have you know, the things that, especially the things that make the big pillars, like that make the, the biggest uh, impact, like your, your neat, your, your step count, your macros, right. Um, your, your sleep and sleep hygiene, right. Your training performance, the big pillars, especially once you collect that data, um, you can, it can really, it, it, it isn't, I hate to say it isn't overly complicated from that point, but, and, and I'm probably speaking just because of the experience I have now, and because of the level of understanding, like sometimes it's hard for me to put, mm -hmm. to put myself in my shoes like a couple of years ago when I didn't understand all these things. But if you're looking at the bigger pillars, I think that you can really lean on those. And then what you do is you auto-regulate. So now something in your data is, is not reflecting um, the way you'd like, then you, you make adjustments. So you have like this ultimate plan, like, hey, this is my 12 to 24 week prep. This is how much weight I'm going to lose. This is my goal body fat level, blah, 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 blah. You have your mesocycle somewhat planned out. And then you just make adjustments um, based on feedback. And that can be um, objective or subjective feedback. I just really think that you should probably rely more on the objective feedback, generally speaking, especially under times of stress, or take a step back before you make any adjustments.
Um, the subject of feedback can be uh, to some degree photos, right? There, there's kind of some argument to be made there. Some to some degree, some body fat assessments, um, and then your emotion level of fatigue. That that one was the 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 emotion that the the fatigue management side was something that I definitely had trouble with um, because it's hard to say you need a diet break to yourself, right? Because because you can you can try to depending on where you're at psychologically, like, like I was having trouble justifying taking diet breaks when I was really, really fatigued. Right. And sometimes I'd push it so far to the point where I'm like, like barely can get up my stairs. And then I'm like, okay, I need, I, I probably need a diet break, but it would, I would push it to the point where like, I remember one time I was at the gym specifically, I like, I, I, I felt like I could barely stand up. Like the amount of effort it took to like move the implement of the machine and do a set was like almost it was like a nine out of ten you know what I mean like it was it was probably like a two RR week but it was just like just literally physically walking out of my car getting into the gym the amount of effort that that was taking I I did the first half of the workout and I was like okay I was looking at all my data and I was like okay like I think I have diet fatigue like my sleep's interrupted like I can't walk <laughs> like this is I think I need to and I went home I had some carbs I took a nap and I finished the workout and I was like, yeah, that was diet fatigue. Like just even just having some of the carbs brought my, my stress levels down and eliminated some of that fatigue almost immediately. Just, and, and the next couple of days was much better, but it's really, it was really hard to, to, to even do that. So that was something where you need to have uh, plans in place to be able to auto-regulate. So uh, what's, what's this, I can't remember what the term is in, in habit formation. It's not implementation intention. It's uh. I'm not going to be able to remember it, but it's basically like, if, if not a, then B, if not B, then C, if not C, then D. So basically, um, if you have something that occurs and the plan doesn't go as planned, you have something that you do and you just do it. Like, it's just like, Hey, I'm not losing weight. I'm it, it, it like, kind of looks like a decision tree, right? You're not losing yep. weight. And uh, am I retaining water? Yes. Okay. Do this. Am I not, am I retaining water? No. Okay. Do this. Basically, you need to have those things in place. It is it it, it does become complicated when making those decisions, um, but yeah, that's just kind of my rant about that. I think that ultimately you should rely on objective feedback because I think that can be a really useful tool, and I think we should lean on that mostly. But there is some some subjective feedback. There is some emotion that that does come into play. But I would say ultimately you should lean into your numbers. And if you're feeling emotional about something, you should take a step back and probably take some time away from making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with, with, you know, I think, I think both of us are probably in agreement that it probably makes more sense to, to lean on the, um, the objective analytical side of decision-making as much as, as much as possible. But at the same time, it's like bodybuilding is about a subject. It's a subjective sport at the same time, right? You know, it is, you know, you do have to be like this lean or this muscular, but at the right. same time, there is that subjective component to it. So when we're doing stuff like, you know, for, for example, with, um, you, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier kind of having that emotional response to um, like, whether it's the weight on the scale or whether you were holding water or something like that. And, you know, trying to be objective in that subjective reality, right? And um, so, for for me personally, one of the ways that I I had to combat those types of things is, is you know, I sent myself check ins, 
um, as if I was my own client. And so I, on, um, you know, if you, if you went back on Instagram, you'd see every single Thursday, that's when I posted my, or every single Friday, that's when I posted my, my physique yeah. updates, but I took those pictures on Thursday morning and I didn't look at them until Friday. So I would, I would take my, uh, my physique. Um, it would be just a, a video of me going through my poses. And then I would just screenshot once I locked into my poses and, um, then I just wouldn't look at them. I would just leave them on my phone and I wouldn't look at them until the next day because, yeah. um, I started prep, um, looking at them right away. Like I would, I would take the poses, I would look at them and every single time I would, I would get in my own head and be like, I'm not lean enough or I'm looking flat or like, why do I have like, what looks like water retention here or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm bloated. Like, it, is there something in my diet I shouldn't be having? And I would, I would have those little demons in the back of my head trying to, you know, gnaw their way forward and, and influence my decision-making. And so something that I found that was really helpful for me was not looking at my check-in right away. I would, I would make sure all my data was put in on Thursday morning and then on Friday, that's when I would go over it. And I'd basically treat myself like it was my own client. I'd be like, you know, I'd be able to look back and see like, all right, was my, was my sleep impacted this week? Was, you know, what was my rate of loss? What was my like total calories? Did I, you know, did I have a slip up day and go a little bit too high? And that's why, you know, I didn't lose where I was expecting to this week and all that right. sort of thing. And so I feel like, you know, even though you can have this, emotional um, reaction to some of the subjective nature of the sport, you can mitigate that by, you know, allowing yourself to take a step back or just pre-planning like, like I did. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a really smart approach um, because it also creates some accountability to the actual checking in with yourself. And then it also, I think, I think even if you looked at the photos, I think even like glancing at them, you probably did if you were screenshotting them, yeah. still having that day to like think about it and not really like uh have everything at once is really big because I feel like when I was doing my steps when I was doing my you know my cardio I was able to think through things like it actually provided me an opportunity a lot of the time if I would take photos and have an issue I would go for a walk and that night and it would really allow me to like think about am I being rational about this I also had my girlfriend, I mean, obviously she's not a bodybuilder, but I would allow, I would kind of lean on her and say like, Hey, does this, does this line of thinking sound rational to you? Because I know that again, as you get closer and closer and leaner, you are less likely to be rational. So I was asking her and again, she's biased because she's my girlfriend. Right. But still at some point I'm like, Hey, does this, does this make sense? You know, does this line of thinking make sense? Um, and then you can also, again, go to somebody else. But I, I do agree. I think that that's a great technique. And probably something that I'll use my next contest prep is actually um, delaying that and, and having that self check in kind of thing. I think that's exactly what John do does too. Since oh, concept. cool. I, I can't remember. I, I think I heard it originally from Cliff, um, okay. Cliff Wilson. Um, I, I heard it from somewhere. I'm gonna assume it's Cliff Wilson, because you yeah. know, he's a G. Um, but yeah, he, he mentioned, you know, like giving yourself that mental reprieve because you know a lot of the time i mean you you see it even in like you know altercations on the street and stuff like that you know if people have to make a decision when a huge amount of emotions are involved they're gonna probably make a decision that they later regret right 
you know? And so being able to remove yourself from that um, environment, or at least from that emotional, you know, atmosphere for a, for a small duration of time, and then be able to come back at it with a more objective lens and, you know, a more holistic lens when you can really um, see all the variables for what they are, you can make a much more rational um, decision at, at least, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, I think giving yourself the space to be able to make those rational decisions is one of the, the best things you can do as when you're self-coaching. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things that you can have, you can run into issues with, with self-coaching is if you haven't prepped before, um, I don't think most people should self-coach their first show personally. What do you, what do you yeah. think about that? Oh yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. I, I think you should probably have experience with a, with a few coaches and have done potentially a few preps as well, because then you yeah. can't like, you can't really even develop like a preference. Like, like for myself, where I was saying like, Hey, like, I think I want to try this or do this. Uh, that was developed over years of working with people and, 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 and educating myself and then wanting to experiment with different things. Like, Oh, they did it this way. Maybe I could try it this way. Uh, you wouldn't even know, you know, where to begin of like, what, what did you like? What, what did you not like? You have to be informed enough to make those kind of decisions and calls. Um, and I think really having someone else who has that experience, watching how they make their decision process, like what's their decision tree, asking tons of questions. I think that's really, really important. Like, uh, you know, how did you come to this? Like, why did you add my, why did you add in more calories today? You know what I mean? Like that's, that, that would be really, really useful. Especially if you have that in mind, like, Hey, maybe I want to coach myself in the future, having a coach and asking them like, where, where are you coming to this conclusion? Yeah. Um, I think it would be really, really useful. I don't know. How do you yeah, feel I, about that? I, I completely agree. I feel like it, it allows you to realize what, a, what the big rocks you need to focus on are, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you met, you mentioned earlier, focusing on the big pillars right? If you, if you don't have any idea of what those big pillars are, because, you know, you're so far removed from the actual like contest prep, you know, because lifting weight and training to get big is fun. It's great. Like that's, that's, that's the part that most of us really enjoy. Contest prep is, is a whole different animal, you know, Absolutely. like it's, it is, Train like training in the off season is is physically harder, I think. But there, the biggest mental challenge I've done in my entire life was you know the nine month prep that I went through, and when you when you completely do it yourself. And you know I think if you've never been through that, you should probably have someone in your corner at least the first time, to um, to at least know what to expect. And you can, like you mentioned, kind of pick their brain as to why they're making the decisions they are, why they're implementing a diet break or a refeed, why they're having you take progress photos in this lighting rather than this lighting, you know, because, you know, you, you know, the camera can be a little dishonest if you take it in like straight down lighting in a dark room, you know, and you don't know those things unless you have someone who can tell you them. And so that's right. where I think, you know, like you said, maybe not <laughs> doing your first contest prep self-coached is, is probably a good idea yeah no i i think um what was i gonna say the, like i was mentioning earlier how i educated myself even those mm -hmm. resources they don't provide experience right and and like you have mentioned like some of these people have seen thousands of people 
And there are certain, there's still things that we don't understand, even being as analytical as we are, there's still things that aren't explained by science um, that just work, right? And, and, and someone who's seen thousands of people can, can look at you and sometimes make uh, decisions on the fly or even have an idea about what's going on before they've even seen the data, right? Uh, and, and that's a skill that is developed over time that, uh, again, you would have to accept because even if you're, you know, like, like both of us are way deep into it and we still made errors, right? So it's like, it's gonna, it takes 20, maybe 30 years to, to really build that unless you, we were coaching people from the absolute beginning of our journey, right? It's like, it takes mm -hmm. a long time to develop that level of skill. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think that you, you should have at, you should like bodybuilding is like always seen as this like selfish independent sport but i think if you decide to self-coach you still need a group you still need a support system like my girlfriend was a really big part of that uh people on the internet because of social media i was able to leverage that and build a support system or join a forum or a group and then you develop that develop that support system whether it's emotional support which is very huge for recovery and for your your confidence and all that in your, your psychological health, as well as people who understand the ins and outs of bodybuilding, like it, you need to have that group. Um, so developing that is probably a very um, essential part of it as well. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of brings into the point, it's like, you know, you're the one making the decisions, but it's not only you. Um, like I had you know, I, like I had you in my corner, I had, um, you know, a few of my friends, like I had, a, I have a couple of friends who are, um, you know, pro natural bodybuilders. And um, I had, I had them what when I did have a question, and it got to peak week, like you did with Jared, I reached out to them. And I was like, I was like, dude, it's peak week, I, um, I'm not sure I can be completely um, objective about about like, how how I'm looking. So yeah, here's the data help me out. And, and, you know, so, you know, in, in all honesty, really neither of us were completely self-coached. No, like no. you mentioned, cause since you had like Jared run your peak, I had, you know, my friend Jake run my first peak, my friend Paul run my second peak because I, I knew at that point in time that, you know, that's when experience is the best driver, you know, hundred percent because we only have that like one peaking paper literally. And it's, it's mostly, um on, on specifically the science of like what i was saying specifically the science like we only have like one paper and a lot of it is like is uh what we think is going on it's like not actual stuff that's been observed or it's or it's like case studies and stuff it's very uh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but like the data no. is very limited there so it's like we we don't have data there so it's probably good to rely on a friend or someone who has that experience right yeah and and i know i know uh cliff wilson has has said it before that you know, he has like over a hundred different pro cards to his name. You know, he's peaked literally thousands of competitors. And so, you know, like <clears> there <throat> are different peaking protocols, you know, for front load, mid load, back load, you can, you can, you can run a maintenance block straight into your prep. If you're ready early enough, like 3DMJ guys do, you know, there's yeah. tons of different options. And it's like, you know, someone who has this crazy amount of experience and that I, you know, I, I look at someone like Cliff Wilson, um, who has just done it so many times that he can manipulate variables at every single time he peaks someone, they look right, you know, and right. it's, it's hard to do that for yourself, especially when, you know, maybe you've taken clients to stage, but, you know, like when you've only, you know, maybe done a dozen people or 
even only two dozen people it's that's nothing compared Your to sample someone. size is still small yeah yeah like like that that's that's not enough to write a paper in both in most instances yeah you know 100%. so um, well and, right. I, and i will say one thing so so it's funny about my first peak is i plan on doing it myself and and my plan was i have this plan and i will auto regulate if something comes up but something unexpected had happened and that's when i was like okay i need someone with experience i had uh like major digest digestive issues on my on my um carb load days like like really serious to the point where i was like i don't know if i'm gonna compete and i basically like message jared and he like called me on the phone and then he told me and 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 one it obviously gave me some psychological relief like this person's very confident in what they're doing they just said do this this and this boom you you have someone who's confident who can just kind of tell you what to do but also i wasn't prepared for that you know what i mean i you're not prepared for everything and if i didn't have jared i could i i you know i could have winged it right and that would have had been had some had to have been something that I would have accepted potentially if he wasn't there or wasn't available at that time, right? Um, so you need to be be ready for stuff like that, right? Uh, and 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 if, and if those things sound scary to you, then it might not be something that you're ready for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think like you know another thing that is the benefit of of having a coach versus you know doing a self coaching thing is you know if you have like you know, a, a, like a binge or something like that, say, you know, like, raise your hand if you binged on prep, I did once. Um, and I, it was one of those things where I had my first prep struggled with it all of prep, second, second, like contest season, it only happened one time, um, which like I wear as a badge of honor that it only happened once. Right. Um, and uh, it was one of those things where it was just um, I knew exactly what brought it on. It was just a huge amount of stress. I got some news about my show that like, like devastated me. Yeah. Um, and it was, ba it was basically, I, I think I mentioned it on the first recording that, um, the, uh, that my show ended up being a lot smaller than the way it had made it sound. Because I looked at like the, the lineup from last year and they had like, you know, eight to 10 competitors in like all the different weight classes. And I was like, this is a big show. This is going to be awesome. And about, you know, six days out, I got the like final competitor list and there was like six of us. And I was like, I was like, I'm about to drive eight hours, you know, eight and a half hours to Auburn, yeah. Washington to compete in the show. And I'm only going to be against like, that many people it, it felt like a huge waste of time to me it felt like my whole prep was a waste of time like you know i was i was just devastated and right. um and, be, and I, I couldn't sleep and i was you know obviously i was i'd been hungry for a month or two at this point and so you know i knew it was going to happen and um for me because i had been in that position so many times before i knew it was going to happen i just i said okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a binge. Like I knew it was gonna happen. I, I, there was nothing I could do to stop it. And I was like, I made this kale soup. <laughs> it's in the fridge. I'm just gonna eat as much of that as I want. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna allow it to happen because otherwise I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up at the Wendy's drive-thru again, like last prep. Right, right. Not, and I'm not letting made that a, Made a trade-off decision of like, hey, what's. Exactly. Right. And it was like, it was like, I mentally broke in that moment. And, um, you know, the, the thing that, 
you know, going back to why you shouldn't, you shouldn't self-coach your first prep. It was only through experience of, of knowing what would happen if I tried to continue, continue to restrain through that evening of knowing that I would eventually end up at the fucking Wendy's drive through or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and versus like, you know, I had, it was literally like russet potatoes, kale, carrots, and celery in the soup. It was like, I, I ate like, you know, four quarts of this soup and it still was probably only like 1100 calories, you know? And it was, so it was like, I was packed full, like I was okay. And, and then I could go to sleep and I woke up and, you know, I had some like weird water stuff because of all the salt and water that I had the night before, but you know, a day later it was fine. And, you know, having that experience of doing it that first time, um, gave me that you know foresight to know what was going to happen, know how to to deal with it. Because you know, realistically, looking back, I should have just woken up my fiance and and talked about it, and you know, really really discussed everything that happened. But in you know, you you never you never know what these things are going to do, and there's so much you know emotion and um, especially when something unexpected happens like that, especially on peak week. You know, when when there is some such a mental emphasis on peak week, it's like, oh, it's going to make you look this much better, even though we all know it's really not. Um, it can. But, eh. um, yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. no. I mean, I think one speaking to that, it allows you now you have that experience to to really understand what somebody might be going through if you have a client who's who's struggling with that, first and foremost. Two, I think there's a lot to be said about knowing uh, about habits and behaviors and, and knowing yourself, knowing why we might do certain things, looking at the cues that might've caused that situation. Right. Um, it's, it's actually a little bit more complex uh, in that regard um, is being able to understand and identify why that may have occurred. Right. And you, you are able to right? some people aren't, some people aren't able to um, or, or aren't able to, or just um, aren't experienced enough in having that level of self-reflection. And, and being like, what was the, where was I at? What was I thinking? How did I rationalize that behavior if it occurred? Right? Because ultimately, there is a rationalization that that happens um, of like, hey, like, in your head, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to do this thing. Because of x, y, and z. And I've already decided that I'm going to do it. So I'm going to mitigate the damage as much as possible. Excuse me. So you, you and, 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 and being able to identify that is a, is a really big part of it. Um, but that, that, so that, that psychological part, it can be a, a big struggle for, for a lot of people, especially if you're not ready for it, right? Because if you haven't done a prep before, you don't, you're not ready when that, 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 that kind of like shift happens where you become really food focused and all you can think about is food. And, you know, a lot of that psychological, like you become very apathetic and you're moody and stuff. It, 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 I can't, ex- I, always, I always try to explain it to people like who are around me, but it's really hard to explain if you've never actually felt that way. Yeah, it's you. It, it's it's a it's a very weird sensation. Um, knowing knowing why you're, um, you know, potentially like you said, being you know apathetic or impatient or angry or whatever. It's like you know the root cause of it, and yet because of like you know these goals that you've set for yourself or you know what have you, you you can't change it. So you just do your do your best to work within the confines of that situation. And, you know, I think when, when you are doing it yourself too, you know, all the, all of the responsibility and all of the outcomes are solely based on, 
you know, the decisions that you made going into your actual prep itself, that you don't have anyone else to blame if anything goes wrong. Right. You know, like, like what, when I, when I binged, it wasn't because my coach restricted my calories too much. That was me. You know, I was right. the one who made those decisions. So, uh, it was, it was kind of a double-edged sword because, you know, it, it forced me to take complete and full responsibility for it and completely own up to it. So, you know, like in the past, when I had binged with my initial coach, I told him one time that this had happened and, you know, he made me feel like shit about it. Yeah. And so the same thing you know, like, me. and, and so like, then when it happened again, I just didn't tell him, I just didn't tell him, I just didn't yeah, tell him. That's, that's not a good place to be in either. Right. Yeah. And it, and it just repeats this, this cycle of, you know, binge restrict, binge restrict, and, you know, that's, you know, what, what out of coming out of my first prep, I struggled with, you know, binge eating for like probably six or eight months after, after prep finished. So I, yeah. almost a full year. And, um, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if it had just come down to like, you know, maybe my coach realizing that I was at my breaking point, Hey, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're three weeks out. You already look really great. Let's just coast into the show. Let's give you some refeeds or, or whatever, you know, allow for that to occur and realize that, you know, I think, I think the other thing with self-coaching is, is realizing where you are in your ability to uh, bring the package that you want. And what I mean by right. that is, yeah, yeah. you know, I, the, this prep, I do not have the cognitive abilities to bring as sharp of conditioning as I know I will be able to next prep. Uh, yep. Just, it, it wasn't it, in this, for this, the prep in this circumstance, it was not in my wheelhouse. I was yeah. close. I was maybe like three or four pounds away from the, the conditioning that, you know, in my mind, I, I crave, but it was not within my scope of, of ability this, this time around. I know next time around it's, it's possible, but, yes. you know, understanding that, you know, maybe, maybe there is a time when you should pull back and, you know, that, that binge was when I realized I was like, all right, diet's over. Like if I, if I try to keep pushing, I try to make up for this, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to screw myself over. And it was right. because like, I wanted to push for that last little bit of conditioning. So I tried to put my foot on the gas for the last two, two and a half, three weeks, mm -hmm. skipped all my refeeds, dropped my calories, all that. Yep. And, um, you know, it's like, when you when you self coach, you have to understand those trade offs. Right, right. Three uh, DMJ referred to it as calling uncle. You're calling uncle point, and I do think mm -hmm. that that point where you know you can't push any further without having physiological or psychological repercussions. It does you you. I think it it that's the one thing that you need to have experience prepping multiple times to do, because I don't outside of a few people there that have the genetic propensity to be able to do that already. Um, it takes experience to be able to learn how to do that and, and to know where that point is. And again, that point gets pushed back every time you prep, right? I mean, like I was able to achieve the leanest physique I had ever achieved this prep, but that was not my all-time leanest. And that was not the leanest enough to win, uh, you know, a national level show, right? Mm -hmm. But I also mm -hmm. had limitations. Like, you know, I was pushing at a 1% rate of loss the last couple of weeks and I was pushing uh, like 1,250 calorie deficit but there were points where I started to notice that like binge, like behavior, like I, cause I've had them before and I know what it's like, like the food focus and certain levels of fatigue and starting to rationalize the behavior. And I would have to, I, I, I had run the deficit so hard 
But I also in the back of my head was like, if you need to bring your calories up, so that this doesn't occur, then do it. Right. So I, I mean, I had already programmed in you have these refeed days that you can choose to use if you want to because your deficit is so harsh. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, I, I also think that like, you know, whether that was healthy to push that amount or not, you know, is, 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 um, it's hard to say, but also just knowing where that limitation is like knowing like, Hey, what's the trade off right now, I can either push at a, a ridiculous rate of loss, and then eventually binge and, you know, look even worse, or I can bring my calories up for a couple of days, recover and feel good and then continue to push, right? Knowing that yeah. is, is really difficult. Yeah. And I think, you know, as, as you know, when you're coaching yourself, it, it becomes hard to make those decisions without, uh, you know, seeing the, uh, the other opportunity there, right? So, you know, it's like, I, I could, I could take these extra refeeds, you know, put my calories at maintenance for three days. Like realistically, I mean, you are in a, you were in a hefty deficit, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and when, and when you have, you know, um, the PEDs in the background, like you can be in a deficit that aggressive and still retain lean mass. Yeah, right? absolutely. Oh, um, the trade-off. And, yeah. The, the trade-off makes, <laughs> makes it, you were like, like, what was, I knew, what was I, your, your, your calories got oh yeah yeah i got they got down to 2000 and i was at 15k steps for for someone who's 230 pounds is not a lot of food if, i know yeah. some people like you know i hit 15k for 1500 calories in your prep i mean for for reference i was eating almost 6000 calories in the off season so yeah my my lowest and you're gonna think i'm a dick my lowest my calories ever got 2650 and my steps were 11 k yeah. And, and but right. it was also, but I wasn't in a 1250 calorie deficit. I was in like a 350 calorie. Deficit, right, right. You know, and it's just, you know, I couldn't, if I pushed a deficit anywhere near that, you know, you unless I'm muscle peak, and yeah, hundred oh, percent fatness, you know, like, like <laughs> there's, there's, there's a would, lot of other things. Everything. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. other things that go into that too. Like the psychological effects of like the stimulant fat burners and stuff. Um, yeah, I know. You, I, I know you wanted to get into that. I want to ask you one more question. I want to get you out of here soon too. It's over, uh, over an hour here. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you is what did you learn from this prep? What what will you do differently moving forward? And, and, and then what what worked really well too? Yeah, so um, what I learned from this prep is that the, the biggest thing that I took away and so I actually had um, you know, on my, on my spreadsheet where I had all my, all my data, all my training, all that is I, is I had a little comment, a little section for my notes. And, and so at the end of every day, I would write down a couple of, a couple of things if, if it felt like I needed to. And one of the things that I wrote, um, around the five or six week out mark was <laughs> start leaner. And that was the only thing I wrote. <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, you know, that, that would have been the, the biggest thing that I, I would have changed was, um, you know, not maybe not pick my shows until I was, you know, like pretty, pretty far into prep. Um, yeah. And not, not, you know, I, I had kind of had an idea of when I wanted to, to do a couple of shows um, when I started prep, but you know, I kind of made made those commitments before I was ready to actually step on stage. Yeah. I think if I had allowed myself to have a much more flexible contest schedule, it would have allowed me to, you know, take an extra diet break, you know, when I was like, you know, eight or 9% body fat, rather than when I was just 12, and then going straight through, 
you know, and um, I think, I think if I had done that, um, you know, the outcome could have been different, could have been better. And so that's something I would like to do in, in my, my next season is, you know, I, I started my actual prep prep at like 207 ish pounds, somewhere in there. And um, I got to a stage weight of 190.2. And so, you know, 17 pounds in, you know, I think 20 weeks or so. That's a, that's a very reasonable rate of loss. But yeah. when you consider the last four or five, four to six weeks was like maybe half to three quarter of a pound loss per week. It's a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think if I had started closer to, you know, 200 pounds, and I only had, you know, 10 or 12 pounds to lose from there and gave myself 20 weeks. It's like, well, then I would have had that option to take a diet break or a couple extra refeeds that bring the food up coming into the show or whatever exactly i could have i could have ran maintenance for a peak week instead of you know gambling on a on a rapid backload or 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 what have you um so that would be something that i that i learned um what were the other two it was a three-part question that you would do differently which i think is kind of what you learned as well yeah the, the things you mentioned yeah and then and then what what did you feel that went really well I think something that I, I'm really proud of that I did was I was really flexible with my training to a degree. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, I had, you know, I had very structured training, you know, I follow the same, you know, RP, RP style um, volume accumulation that I believe yep. you do as well. And, but, but in that confines, you know, I, I decided to, um, one thing that, that, was a really big difficult my first prep was you know the amount of time i spent in the gym especially like you know doing cardio and then i also was like trading for like two hours and so you know you're in the gym for like three or four hours a day if you do it the old old school bro way right and so i decided that um, i was gonna i was gonna take a session out only train five days a week and then i wasn't gonna do formal cardio because, you know, I work a retail sales job. And so I would literally walk laps around the store in between customers and stuff like that. Um, and so for me, it, would, it, it freed up a lot of my time. So that way, when I, you know, I did have a rest day, or um, I also put both my rest days on my days off from work. So that way, I could spend more quality time with my fiance. And so that was something um, that for me, I was really proud of that I did. Um, towards the end of prep, everything kind of goes out the window because you're you're a zombie anyway but um for you know until i got to about a week out of my first show of the season i my fiance said that uh, she wouldn't have even known i was prepping if i didn't tell her and and that to me was that that was the biggest thing that i wanted i wanted to to keep the um the stress on me and not push it on anyone else and then obviously once I was really digging and this is when it comes back to giving yourself more time. Um, that's, that's when she started feeling the stress. And so that's what I would like to change for next time. So I want to get to yeah. three or four weeks out before she even notices that I'm like prepping other than yeah. that, that she can see all the lines in my ass when I shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Cause uh, I would say that there's tons of overlap there to, to work backwards from what you said for myself, at least. Uh, work mm-hmm. backwards from what you said. I think that yes, I like I was super moody in my first prep, and I've definitely improved on that this one around. So that was really really cool because um, it just adds to the stress. Like it's just 
you know, especially if the people around you are stressed or like don't want to be around you because you're just not fun to be around because you're just, you know, moody and hungry and all this stuff, you know, that's just not a great place to be in. And like you, like you mentioned, like making time for yourself, like you freed up all this time so you can have some relaxation time, right? Um, that, uh, you know, you could make an argument of like, maybe you could have stayed in the gym longer, right? Like, like, let's say like just in this alternate universe, you could have stayed in the gym longer and that maybe would have produced like maybe more muscle retention. That's very hypothetical. But at the same time, I think that the relaxation benefit you get from not having to be in the gym longer is probably, uh, at an equal, uh, or if you consider quality of life, even greater benefit um, than have doing that, have doing that. Like if I did an extra set of, you know, forearms or whatever, I don't know. But uh, I really think that that relaxation component gets underlooked. Like I had a, a hard cutoff at eight o'clock every night that I sat down and, and relaxed and watched TV. It's no work at that time. And then I started my sleep hygiene every night at the same time at 10 o'clock, right? So I had these like hard cutoffs of like, this is when I do no work because I'm already in the stressful environment. I need actual designated relaxation time or I won't, or I won't take it. Um, and and, and I, I agree, I think for myself, starting leaner is a really big part. I, I would like to start uh, leaner and, and, and take that diet break as well in the middle, because I think that's, that's huge. I think, um, I was like under the impression that since I was enhanced, I could get away with it. But I really think that at the end of the day, physiology is physiology. <laughs> and I think that it caught up to me really towards the end where it was like really difficult. And I think taking that extra diet break would have allowed me to have not had to push my calories as low, you know, maybe to some extent, and it's not allowing me to be as psychologically stressed out towards the end as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you had Absolutely. a question kind of on that, that side of things too, right. As far as like the enhancement. Yeah. I did. Yeah. So, and, and maybe we can wrap, like call this the final question because yeah, I think this is, this is going to be a really um, cool thing because, you know, um, obviously we're, we're both in the same sport, but we're on the, the two separate sides of the coin, right? I'm on the um, dark side. So, yeah. It's yeah. The red dark light. side. Yeah, dude, the Jack, the Jack side, the, the side that fills out, <laughs> that fills out shirts. Dude. <laughs> um, uh, There's a lot that comes with that, though. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, at least you got boners during prep. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> hey, my sex drive was gone. I had none. Yeah, yeah, dude. That was that was one of. I mean, that's something that I think is just going to happen to everybody at some it's, point. It's just funny because um, you're just taking so much exogenous hormones. You're like, yeah, I'll be fine. It's like, nope, she's still nope. food focused. Dude, it's I. I think for me, I never lost the ability. I just lost the it, like want, the no desi desire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's just no desire. I. Yeah, I it's so crazy like, when it came back because it came back so strong like two weeks later, and I'm like looking around. I'm like, oh my god, this is what this feels like. I like dude, forgot the the feeling entirely to be like, uh, yeah. But for me, it happened on peak week. On uh, oh but, really? Um, yeah, because I was digging so hard, and then. Um, for peak week, we brought my, like, you know, my average carbs per day for peak, for all of peak week was like 600, 650 for all of yeah. peak week. And, um, and yeah, I just, I was like, oh my God, I felt like a normal human being again. And I, you know, had that desire back and it was, you know, it was awesome. And then, and then from there, it only, it only got better, you know, um, yeah. to now where it's like, you know, you're full when you're fully recovered. Um, I'm not, you competed later than me, so I'm not sure you're fully recovered yet, but, uh, you know, Getting there it's, for it's, sure. it is wildly different, but the, the biggest question that, that I had, you know, is what are, um, you think the biggest differences when you're self-coaching versus when you're natural and you're enhanced, 
because I have some, I, my, my idea is that it's probably a lot harder when you're enhanced because there are more variables. There are, you know, just in terms of the actual look that you can have, you know, you have this, these exogenous hormones that can, you know, cause like water retention and bloating and, you know, yeah. effect on your, on your like digestion and, and carb uptake and stuff like this. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're natural, you just don't have that. That's just not a thing you have to worry about. Um, so do you, so two part question, do you like, how does it, how, how is it different and which do you think is that is harder? Um, I think they both have their, their, um, their challenges, right? I mean, I, I, I prepped at least one prep naturally. Actually, well, I didn't fully. I think I took like a pro hormone to retain muscle. So maybe I didn't fully stay natural. <laughs> Those GNZ pro hormones. I, I literally had to get gynecomastia surgery because of it. It was like the, the pro hormone that caused my gynecomastia. Oh my yeah, it was yeah. great. Oh. Uh, it was one of those. Yeah, for sure. But um, so, so maybe I didn't even experience like the feeling of hypogonadism to full, full extent. And, and maybe you can kind of speak on, on, on maybe how that felt and, and how that affects training and all those other variables. Um, it's challenging for sure. It's hard to say, like, first and foremost, the actual psychological effects of the drugs. Um, I already have diagnosed uh, severe anxiety. Mm -hmm. These drugs already and these drugs make the anxiety worse. So that for me personally is a really big struggle. Uh, specifically the fat burners that are stimulant based like clenbuterol uh, yeah. thyroid hormone also increases your heart rate which can increase your if you don't don't dose it dose it properly or even the timing was actually something that was affecting me yohimbine is another one but that one really uh, negatively affected my psychology did did you um did 19 nors affect you in that way too or did you use trembolone yeah i used trembolone uh tremble on the biggest thing i noticed and i use a very very small amount compared to what other people use like the i always use the clinical dose so like what it, when it was deployed mm -hmm. in medicine what was the dosage used right so i think i use like 50 milligrams a week yeah but like the biggest, yeah, 50 milligrams a day or something like that yeah no not a day uh, well, total week <laughs> no i mean that would really mess you up yeah that um, would be a bad time the uh the the fatigue that that brought on just itself it wasn't psychological it was actually like the physical fatigue mm -hmm. and i noticed with a lot of these fat burners maybe because they're clearing the energy stores um out like because of some of those processes uh that they create a ton of fatigue like just i, I noticed immediately i would take the, the fat burner and this level of like just the actual having to carry your body is harder like walking up my stairs i would be at the beginning of a mesocycle and i would deploy one of these compounds or increase the dosage of one of them and i was just more physically fatigued so um that part in itself is challenging um so it's the psychology and how that affects you like for myself definitely more stressed out i think mike isertel has been open about talking about how it affects his psychology and it's very similar yeah. the way it does me where it makes you more more stressed especially if you're an anxious person um, there are people who get away with just based on genetics, don't get that effect. Um, I think because I have an understanding of pharmacology and some of the mechanisms, I was able to mitigate a lot of it. And so what I did, again, large scale plan, this is what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. Uh, with, with, with dosages, it's actually a really difficult thing because we don't really, there isn't an objective way to, to dose these things. Like there's no like, 
there's no like here's when you need clenbuterol and here's when you need this and here's when you need that there's just like a this is where when it might be a good time to use it and so you basically just make a plan that's like hey this is my top end dosage that i can with my level of risk tolerate and then you kind of just take deploy it when you can and then if you you adjust you auto regulate basically so i had a top end of like everything that i would use the most i would use the risk that i was willing to incur by doing so and then i basically just 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 ran what i had planned uh one thing was also under uh, like i mentioned understand the mechanisms i took an arb which is one of the biggest things that causes water retention which is one of the biggest things i can think it can affect your look a lot of people say it's estrogen but it's, it's actually angiotensin and the raas system mm -hmm. Um, which bodybuilders androgens increase the system and, 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 and which increases water retention. If you're, if you're managing angiotensin and you're managing that system, most of the other like effects are, are ne negligible. Essentially, then you just need to get lean enough, have enough uh, androgens to retain muscle tissue, which I would argue is potentially even lower than what people generally think and um get yeah just get lean enough and, and retain your tissue otherwise and then you're there pretty much all androgens retain tissue at, at roughly the same degree the actual specifics that you choose make a very small effect on your look um so at the end of the day as long as you're uh managing that um you know maybe deploying generally com contest prep compounds then it, it's pretty straightforward that being said the amount of prerequisite knowledge i have is more thorough than most people have. It's definitely not expert level, but um, yeah. So it, it's, it is complicated. It's just another variable you have to manage, right? Uh, have, you know, like how many, I think I was like eight spreadsheets that I was looking at every week when I was doing my thing. Cause there's like the blood work too. Like I would run blood work at like four to six weeks out, assess mm -hmm. if I need to make any adjustments based off of that. Um, so there's just more variables to manage. So it can be even more, if you're someone who second guesses things, it's, it can be even more psychologically, um, uh, you know, challenging. Yeah. Do you think, um, so just based off of what you said that, that makes it sound, that makes it to me sound like going enhanced and doing the self-coaching process makes it a lot more difficult just because, you know, you said a lot of big words that I don't understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, or, or at least I, I, I do understand to some degree, but you know, um, I haven't gotten to that section J3 yet. I'll put it that way. Right, right, right. Um, that's that's next week's class. Um, and you know, from coming from you know the the natural sphere and having you know a a a understanding of of compounds of the different categories of compounds and how they work. But you know, like I I you know the amount of background knowledge you have to have if you're going to like take yourself through an entire contest prep as an enhanced. Um, guy i i think is more than what you would need to do, use as a natural oh yes yeah. yeah you know and and so i think just, just like there take some tests and be like all right i'm good you know it's like it is yeah there's some stuff that you have to know how to use and and when to deploy it and the risks as well mm -hmm. yeah and and a lot of people you know like um like what's the yeah like the big the big common thing is taking like the estrogen blocking and like, because that, that's what causes water retention. It's like, we, we know that's not exactly how that works. Right. You know, um, and I, I'm not going to speak to that because you're, no, no, I mean, you're, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. The only reason I know that is because I've heard people like you and Mike and, and Jared and Charlie all say, yeah. all say that. Well, um, and that's, you know, yeah. And that, and that's where it's tough. Cause like to be, to be even just an informed consumer, when you're looking for a coach, 
and you don't know those things, like you need to have a prerequisite knowledge before you even hire a coach. Like if you're like, I want to be enhanced and I'm going to hire a coach. Uh, you can still get into deep waters if that coach doesn't know what they're doing and you don't know. Right. Uh, so that's really, it's really tough. Like you really have to be an advocate for yourself. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I say in any situation, if you have a doctor or you're seeing a PT or anything, you need to be somewhat informed before you make that decision. Um, the level of being informed to coach yourself is definitely way up here, but even then you should still, you know, have research something before you get into that field and you hire a professional i think uh, because like you can get someone who's crushing your estrogen and then there's long-term deleterious effects of that right so yeah of, and i mean uh, like you i'm I'm, sh- I'm sure you've seen those videos where they break down like you know some of the most absolutely ridiculous bunk cycles that people yeah. have run where they're on like six grams of combined compounds a week and you know, running like redundant orals and stuff like that, just, you know, yeah. for like 20 weeks of just like D-ball and Anavar and Clem, like all at the same time with, you know, just, it just, uh, it's one of those things, like, I think because the barrier to entry for, for going the enhanced route, and I think, you know, as an aside, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. I think mo- most people jump on that, that bandwagon too early or too quick 100%. before they have the residual knowledge. Yeah, I think I think most people hindsight 2020 would agree that most enhanced guys would probably. I wish I had waited three years until I actually knew what I was oh, doing. Yeah. I say that all the um, time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, mean, but I uh, think even to what you were saying earlier, not to interrupt you, I just wanted to mention this before yeah, please. you move on. Um, is that if you also plan on doing this enhanced, you should probably have done a few preps natural as well. Because just like for myself, I mean it would have been helpful to have had the experience of just dieting to get really lean prior to, to just to know what I was getting myself into because now I'm managing the anxiety and the stress of the compounds themselves along with the side of getting that like dieting. And I didn't have the habits or skills built to get really lean first. So I'm trying to manage all of those at the same time. And it's like, it's a lot more challenging of a process for sure. Yes, absolutely. I, um, I've had, you know, several clients, um, actually like almost a dozen clients who have come to me and wanted to, um, I, I outsourced, um, yeah, yeah. all of my cycle design to someone else, because that's not where my, my, my intelligence lies yet. Um, that's I, like, I'm in J3U for this reason. That's, that's oh, my sweet. biggest hole in, in, in that's, what that's I probably know. honestly, and, and just say that I think it's one of the best places to be. I think he's one of the, I, I agree one too. of the, I think the that, safest uh, people yeah. that, that, that deploy yeah. these things, but go ahead. Exactly. I, yeah. When I said earlier that it's literally next week, I was not kidding. I'm in. Yeah, the, I, know, uh, I, know. I thought you were like, <laughs> wait, what is he talking about? No, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Ne- next week is when we get into the safer use. We're doing all the, the, the uh, health monitoring stuff this week. And so Perfect. next week is when we get into this. If you ever want to talk about any of that stuff, just shoot me a message. I'd love to. I will. I'm de- I absolutely, you're going to get, I'm going to take you off on that for sure. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, I've had so many clients who, you know, want to want to jump on on that side of stuff. And I'm like, dude, do a prep naturally first, you know, yeah. make, make sure you even like bodybuilding before oh, you jump on gear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. make sure you like you like posing, make sure you like presenting what you did, make sure you like the challenge. Because if you if you hop on gear, if you get like five weeks into a diet, you're like, well, this sucks. Well, it's like, well, now you put yourself at risk for pretty much no reason at all. And it's like, you could just Absolutely. take, you know, like, like TRT dose compounds 
and you know have a stellar physique and look better than 99 yeah. percent of everybody if you want it oh. and have minimal risk um yeah, there's and, still and, risk with trt dosing but. yeah but it's just there's so many things that come along with it too i mean it, it, i can't it's not a fun thing like i i just want to like okay like yes it's great to be big the big guy I spend almost 0% of my time thinking about how big I am, to be honest as well. Like I really, like, I just am who I am. Like I don't identify as like this big dude, but like, God, there's so much stuff that comes along with it. That's just not fun. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a lot. It, it, and again, it's hard to portray that to people, like what it feels like to be on a ton of androgens, like TRT, you feel great. Sure. But like, like the sex drive thing, like, and there's so many other things that come along with that, that just are not, you, you really need to know what you're getting yourself into for sure. Yeah. And, and just knowing that there's all these potential long-term downsides that, that can happen, you know, yeah. like, especially you, you see like all the death that's been occurring at the high level, like lately, you know, we've lost what five, five, like top 10 Olympia guys in the last four years. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a small pool of people. And it's like, what's the big commonality between all of them. Right. right. You know, so there, I feel like there isn't this, as much of this information. And, you know, I, I am fully behind people wanting to, to go the enhanced route. My, my personal criteria is, is do, just do a local show naturally. First. Just show up, see how you do. Because even, because if you have the, the potential in my mind, like the genetic potential to be great, you'll still place well at a local show as a natural. Oh, 100%. Like you will. I, you know, you look, look at someone like, uh, like Kai Green back in the day used to compete in the NGA, a drug test organization. Sean yeah. Clarita used to compete. He was a WNBF world champion in the in the bantamweight class. You know, both of these guys are you know like second place in the Open Olympia for Kai Green. You know, two twelve, Mister Olympia for Sean for uh, Sean Clarita. It's like, you know, if you have the ability to you know be great, you will be great regardless if you're on gear or not. Right. Um, so why not why not dip your toe in see how you even like the whole process before you make right. that decision and, and 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 then what's the rush right it's like what what is yeah. the what is the trade off of waiting a couple of years and knowing what you're getting yourself into um but still loving bodybuilding in the process if you end up being the thing that you actually do enjoy and love like there's no there's to me that's no negative trade off especially if you're already really young like you have so many like most of these guys are in their like 30s and 40s hitting their peak physique mm -hmm. so if you're in your early 20s uh, late teens, early twenties, even mid twenties. Uh, I, I've seen people even start at 30 and be like being uh, high level competitors at 35. If that was their goal. Like, I, I don't see the rush, especially if this is what you love to do. I don't see the reason, yeah. in it. but it, yeah, that's again, I, I focusing mean, on outcome versus the process. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, we're going to end up going down a rabbit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to pull back the comment right, right. that I had in my mind. Um, but but I do, if you could, I know you obviously only have experiences as a natural, what would be your perceived, like, what are some of the challenges and what would be your perceived like difference in the challenges, especially based on what I said? Yeah, I think, I think the, um, the most apparent challenge to me is um, like you were mentioning being able to be in like this incredibly heavy deficit, which, you know, has its challenges in its own realm and you being able and like being able to deploy things like thyroid hormones and clenbuterol. Yeah. And like, you have you know, like for example, yeah. You know, when, when, when you're competing completely, you know, there's like, people have like different definitions of what natural is. It's, it's just like, you know, there's, there's, there's what like 
I think I think natural is whatever the federation you're competing in says it is. And so that that's how yeah, that's that's enough. my definition. I don't I don't think about it too much more than that. But you know, when like when the strongest compound you have to deploy is creatine monohydrate, it's like there's just a lot of um, you know, I think thought and and planning that has to go into it in the same way that it does when you're enhanced. Like yeah, you know, you do have like to be me saying yeah, me saying I wanted to start leaner because, you know, I ran, I, I ran out of time at the end of my prep, you know, if I, if I had, you know, the ability to have compounds in my system, I could have, I could have pushed harder. Absolutely. Right. You know, and, and because I wouldn't have to worry about things like, you know, lean tissue loss to any, you know, to a significant degree, you know, right. we see, we see people all the time, who they start contest prep enhanced and they're, you know, their weight doesn't really change like that much. Like look at like Charlie Jung, right? You know, he did, he did his con like a contest prep where he literally lost like five pounds in like 16 weeks because he gained like 20 pounds of muscle as he was, as he was going into his prep. And so, you know, there's, you, you just don't have those, um, those options in play when, when you're right. a natural. And, um, but that being said, you know, I don't, what one thing that I've I've seen discussed and, and I asked you the question is, is which one is harder? I I'm not sure that I think I think both are hard in their own way because you know if you want to get to truly peak level of you know conditioning as a natural, most of those top guys are dieting for six months plus. Yeah, um, that's you know like the Brett the Brett Freemans the uh, you know, like That's all it. these guys who are known for bringing just the most ridiculous walnut butt conditioning to, to the stage. And, you know, like, but at, at the Olympia level, you still see people doing 12 and 16 week preps, you know, right. and, and they get to the same level of conditioning because they can push it so much harder. So for me, I think it's like, it's not about, you know, it's like, it's like enhanced is harder for a small, a shorter duration and natural is harder over a long duration yeah. if that makes a, sense so there's definitely they both a sacrifice suck. there right right yeah there's yeah. definitely a sacrifice you have to make to take six months out of your year you know yeah. different holidays and things like that will get missed birthdays stuff like that i mean obviously depends on where you're at in your prep but that that's that's definitely a, a huge trade-off right um and i agree i think that you don't have as many tools at your disposal like i have a, a maybe a multitude of options if i'm stalling to, to deploy different things right whereas you're just like I have a calorie deficit, right? I have potentially my activity and then I have a diet break, which can be limited by the amount of time that I have, right? And then yep. you also at some point will maybe even need to take that because of the possibility of muscle loss. So yeah, I agree. I think you have less tools at your disposal and it can become more challenging and requires to be more strategic. And it's one of the reasons why I have so much respect for natural bodybuilders. And also, um, what was I going to say on that? Um, I mean, I don't think I don't think it should be treated as like we're one we're one in the same. Like I don't think it should be treated any differently, really. But I do think yeah. that like uh, when I was first being introduced to a more evidence based approach, a lot more natural people actually had periodized programs. Actually, thought about this stuff a lot more. Whereas bodybuilders can sometimes get away with not having as smart of an approach. Um, my argument's always been that you should always try to optimize things, regardless. Because mm -hmm. some of these things just make things needlessly harder, and and you know, or or you know you spinning your wheels but yeah i think that um generally speaking i don't i don't think that there is on the whole too much difference we're dealing with physiology um and, and things like that 
although I will say that GLP agonists like semaglutide, um, mm -hmm. I, I used a generic, so I'm not sure how effective it really was. It was mildly effective probably, but uh, it's probably going to make bodybuilding for enhanced athletes a lot easier because then they only have to manage fatigue. It's, it's basically a medication that just eliminates your appetite. So at some yeah. point, it's just, yeah. at some point, it's just going to be pretty much managing diet and, and fatigue in general. And that's it really. And obviously um, that, that's, that's, uh, that's a, a new medication that just has come yeah. out pretty recently. Right. I think I heard yeah. Spencer Nadolsky talk about it yeah. on yeah. the, on the yeah, RV they, podcast. They I, uh, yeah. that's what, that's what, that's what screwed up my peak is I didn't pull the medication early enough and it causes the slowing of gastric emptying. So I had food like into my esophagus. It was the worst feeling I've ever experienced in my life. It was horrible. Yeah. Oh my God. So, oh, holy crap. I learned from it. I pulled the next show and it was fine, but it didn't gotcha. know. Is, is that what Jared said? Yeah. Take that, take that out pretty much or. No, no, um, he, we were, he was more managing on the back end. I don't, I don't think he knew that I had taken that at that point. He was just like, Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Oh, well, it's not a big deal. Cause like, I was like on the toilet all night. He's like, well, you lost all your water. You're already, you know, you're already uh, depleted and you carb loaded. So you're going to look fine basically. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So it actually worked to my benefit. It was just not a fun oh. experience. Yeah. That's yeah. That's not a fun way to be. No, I literally <laughs> thought I wasn't going to make it to the stage. So, I mean, and then you oh, have that. God. It's just like, side effects right like just like mm. some stuff is unpredictable you don't know how you're going to react to certain things you could be like i'm going to peak with this compound and then uh, it just completely makes you sick i've seen so yeah. many people get so sick close to shows because of stuff like that like so many so but yeah, yeah we should probably end it there because we've been raging for a long time yeah yeah probably good call yeah. dude i mean it was a it was really a pleasure talking with you um if, if people wanted to reach out ask you questions you also offer coaching where can they find you yeah just just shoot me a message on, on, on my Instagram. It's just Steven, S-T-E-P-H-E-N underscore Dexter, D-E-X-T-E-R, spelled like the killer on TV. Um, so if, yeah, they, you can just shoot me a message over there. Um, that's that's really the only the only place I'm at. I don't do the whole TikTok thing. Um, I tried for like a month. I couldn't get into it. So it's a lot of effort, um, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. I don't, I don't get the a different, different animal for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I didn't dance either. So trust me. No. I can't dance. Yeah. Life. Well, maybe that's what we got to change. Maybe we should, maybe I we guess start so. Doing the dance. I think, yeah. I think that's unfortunately an untapped market because I think people want to see a big guy embarrass himself. So dude, um, yeah, I, I think, I think you're honestly like right on the money. There's this, uh, the last thing I'm going to say, there's, there's this one to talk about. I think it's hysterical. It's this super jacked, um, dude. And he, like basically just does these like intimidation things and then it cuts out and now he's then he's wearing like a maid's outfit um and i just i think it's so funny um, yeah it's, but, it, you think it's funny and some people fetishize it too so there's he's got yeah, both that's, audiences that's true. just capitalizing yeah, it's, on both it's, it's a win-win yeah <laughs> right, link yeah, to the great. only fans you know right right exactly <laughs> uh cool well send me that profile i'm interested to see it not to fetish it's just, it's just, uh, okay whatever dude. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> whatever you say man <laughs> all right i'll link all your stuff down below and uh I'll right. get you out of here man pleasure yeah. talking with you thanks dude it was a pleasure chatting